This episode was recorded in 2020, but it's all about showing appreciation in a virtual work environment and is still highly relevant and important today. We hope you'll enjoy. So I'm staring out my office window at my lawn sign. Here's what it reads. OMG, please make it stop 2020. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it? It's as if every human being was diagnosed with chronic anxiety disorder when the pandemic hit. And then you go to your doctor and he, t- he or she tells you to live with it because she's got it too. You're trying not to be a hot mess, and so too are members of your team. Everyone is doing their best, working from home with toddlers and teenagers making it impossible to focus. Multitasking has taken on new meaning as folks are parents, workers, teachers, caregivers, and worriers. Oh, and then we have an utterly polarized electorate. How do you manage people in this environment? How do you appreciate their hard work? It's kind of hard not to become quite transactional, isn't it? That's the hardest part for me. It's so hard to create casual moments in the day, like yelling, go, Cindy, or that was awesome, Marge, across the office. That has so much more to it for me than like an email that says, please join me in thanking Cindy for securing a speaking gig with fill in the blank. Earlier this year, one of our team members suggested that we take a new personality assessment. It helps people understand how people like to be appreciated. And it is a very short ride, as you will see, from appreciation to motivation. We did this in January at an in-person offsite. Do you remember those? (laughs) And well, it could not have been more timely or more insightful. As 2020 melds into 2021, as remote working and remote learning continue, all of us, supervisors and employees, need to be thinking about this craziness as a marathon and not a sprint. Nonprofit leaders are good in a crisis, but we've never had one that actually had no end in sight. How do we keep fuel in the tank of our teammates? How do we continue to motivate them and appreciate them in ways that are meaningful to them? I decided to ask this guy who created this assessment. Now, this is not his first time on the assessment rodeo, and his insights get to the heart of this very issue. After this podcast, you're going to want to do this assessment. And if you don't find this conversation motivating and you don't appreciate the insights, you should send me packing. Greetings and welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. I'm your host, Joan Gary, founder of the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, where we help smaller nonprofits thrive. I'm also a strategic advisor for executive directors and boards of larger nonprofits. I'm a frequent keynote speaker, a blogger, and an author on all things leadership and management. Learn more at JoanGary.com. I'm a woman with a mission to fuel the leadership of the nonprofit sector. My goal with each episode is to dig deep into an issue I know that nonprofit leaders are grappling with by finding just the right person to offer you advice and insights. Today is no exception. Dr. Paul White is a psychologist, speaker, and leadership trainer who, quote, makes work relationships work, end quote. He's written articles for and been interviewed by Bloomberg's Businessweek, CNN, Fortune.com, Entrepreneur.com, Fast Company, among many others. As a speaker and trainer, Dr. White is taught around the world, including North America, Europe, South America, Asia, and the Caribbean. His expertise has been requested by NASA, L'Oreal, the CDC, 
DirecTV, and numerous other national and multinational organizations. Dr. White is the co-author of the best-selling The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, which has sold over half a million copies. It was written with Dr. Gary Chapman, the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. Dr. White and Dr. Chapman have developed practical ways for leaders and employees to communicate authentic appreciation that leads to increased employee engagement, lower staff turnover, more positive work environments, and higher profitability. Who doesn't want that? Their appreciation at work training resources have been used almost everywhere, it seems, and in almost 60, over 60 countries, 750 colleges and universities, medical facilities, nonprofits, Yes, nonprofits. Recently, Dr. White and his team have completed a national study of newly working from home employees to better understand their concerns and challenges, as well as the positive aspects they like from working at home. And yes, we will be talking about that. Paul, I really appreciate you being with us. And I expect that during this conversation, I will learn uh, how you like to be appreciated. Welcome. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here again. Um, So, um, you and uh, Gary Chapman, Dr. Gary Chapman, are the co-author of this book, um, the um, the Five Languages of Appreciation. Um, Dr. Chapman wrote the Five Love Languages, which uh, many, many, many of my listeners probably know this book quite well. I'd love to hear about the connection between those those two, you know, sort of. So Gary wrote that book, and then together you wrote this one. Right. I'm, I'm sort of interested in was there a sort of bridge from one to the other? I'm kind of interested in that. Yeah. So um, as a psychologist, one of the things that I uh, was involved in uh, was consulting with family-owned businesses and dealing with the family issues that are intertwined with working together and especially business succession planning. And I was meeting with um, a family uh, in North Carolina, talking to, in this case, the dad and the, the CEO and asking him how the transition plan was going. He said, it's going well. My son's stepping up. I think it's going to be fine. I walk across the hall and ask his son the same question. He says, this is a disaster. <laughs> it's never going to work. I can't ever you know, please my dad. And they were just disconnecting. And at the same time, my wife and I were going through the five love languages, probably for the third or fourth time, because I'm sort of a slow learner and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, uh, I thought, you know, I wonder if this could work, you know, in workplace relationships. So I pursued Dr. Chapman actually for over a year and uh, finally met up with him and pitched the idea and others had, but I had sort of a unique maybe background and, and perspective and um, throughout the idea of creating this online assessment, which we've created into the Motivating by Appreciation Inventory and uh, off it went from there. Um, good for you for staying so persistent. Um, so, Paul, let's dig in. You tell us that there are five languages of appreciation. I'd like you to go through them one by one. And as you do, I want my listeners to be thinking about which one really resonates for you. Now, there'll be all kinds. We'll point you to resources. But just be thinking about, yes, that's me or no, that's not me, because I think that'll be a helpful exercise for you to do while you're listening to Paul go through them. Paul, you're on. Sure. Great. So the, the names are the same as the five love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, tangible gifts, and physical touch. So, but, but they look differently in the, in the work setting, obviously. 
words of affirmation is pretty straightforward. Uh, they're words that are affirming. We're affirming the value of someone uh, that we work with. And, you know, we've had over uh, now 265,000 people take our inventory. So we have some fairly good data. And um, 46% of the workforce have words as their primary language. So it's clearly the biggest group. It's still less than half of the workforce, but it's a big group. And it's largely telling people uh, thanks in a very specific way of uh, what they've done and how it's been meaningful to you and can be done orally, personally, it could be through writing or whatever. And, you know, lots of times with more introverted people and clearly now uh, in uh, distant kinds of relationships, you know, maybe by email or a chat or something like that. But the key uh, for words of affirmation to really be meaningful is that they need to be specific. Uh, We actually do some polling with our uh, audience and um, we found out that one of the things that people don't like to hear is good job. And the reason is that uh, it's just too general and, and vague. And it can be said by anybody to anybody. doesn't take much thought or effort. And so we really sort of teach a model of use a person's name. We like to hear our names. If you're writing it, please spell it correctly. Um, <laughs> and then uh, say specifically what it's, you know, you value and why it's important. So it might be, I don't know, Jennifer, thanks for getting your report done in and on time to me. Uh, because that helps me turn my report around quickly without a lot of stress. So what's interesting about that, Paul, is you've added the why it mattered, which is a really important, feels like a really important component that that I I believe that the supervisor often assumes the employee knows. Exactly. And it's, it can be important to you. It can be important uh, to your clientele, or it can be important to the organization. So it doesn't have to always be personally important to you, but let them know how this is helpful to to your you know fulfilling your mission in general. So, um, when I you know offer words of affirmation, does it matter whether or not I say them to, just to you? Like Paul, I read your book; it was awesome, and we used it at an offsite, and it has really transformed how my virtual team works together. So that's one, right? Right. <clears throat> Um, would it be more valuable or how does it fit in in terms of words of affirmation for me to say it so that others hear it as well? Is that part of the equation or not? It can be. Uh, And one of the things that we found is that in the workplace, just knowing the language isn't sufficient, that we need to know the specific actions within that language because that varies. Some people really do value a personal uh, compliment. Others value being, you know, sort of praised in front of their team. And some of us who <laughs> are sort of glory hogs or, you know, don't <laughs> mind it being broadcast out about. But we know that 40% of the workforce don't want to be recognized in front of a large group. So huh. in our inventory, we allow people to identify what kind of verbal praise uh, they prefer from whom. And because you can get the language right, but miss it with the, the specific uh, application. 
So interesting, Paul, because, you know, I do a lot of CEO coaching and sometimes direct reports are insecure about what the CEO thinks of them and might actually take one-on-one praise or words of affirmation with a bit of a grain of salt, like, well, that's what my boss is saying to me, but I wonder what he's saying to other people. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so I would have, I would have guessed that the sort of the more public thing would be something that more people would be into. Maybe it actually varies quite a bit uh, according both to personality, but also, you know, the relational dynamics within the organization, because sometimes people feel weird getting praise in front of their teammates uh, because they know they didn't do the whole thing by themselves. Right. And so that's where it's really important to, to be able to specify and, and find out, you know, do you mind if I say something in front of the team or you'd prefer I not? Um, and, and they'll let you know typically. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the, so that's words of affirmation. Let's go on to the second one, which you call quality time. Right. So quality time uh, has differed over time over the past uh, probably 10 years. In the past, it used to be more about individual time with your supervisor and manager. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't do that much anymore, do right. we? <laughs> um, whereas really more and more, especially younger employees, um, value time with their colleagues. And um, it doesn't have to be a lot of time. I had one CFO tell me, she said, you know, my language is quality time and I just like people to check in and see how I'm doing. And after five minutes or so, you know, I'm going to boot them or sign off because I got too much work to do. So it's not like you have to become their best friend or whatever, but it is about focused attention largely uh, for some. For others, it's more of a camaraderie kind of uh, aspect. And really, this was the language where we really learned that it's important to learn what's most important as far as the action to the person rather than just the language. Because some people do want individual time, others want to just hang out and have lunch, and you can miss the mark if if you don't get that right. The interesting thing about this is so it could either be like my boss continues to cancel my weekly one-on-one. Ouch. Right. Yeah. That that's an ouch for somebody who's driven by quality time, right? Or it could it, it or the the quality time could just be I really like chatting and learning more about what's happening with your kids' colleges and how they're testing for COVID and Correct. sort exactly. of that that camaraderie piece. Yes. But should I assume that it's both, or do I actually ask? Well, it's interesting in these days where we're more distant, um, and we can expand on this in a little bit, but really we found that in remote work relationships, it's really important to get to the personal side yeah. because our communication, um, whether it's Zoom calls or emails, whatever, are really pretty task focused and we're talking about projects or deadlines or, you know, budgets and so forth. And we don't have those sort of, you know, spontaneous interactions where you walk by somebody's office and see them or you see them in the break room or whatever. And so those sort of informal conversations don't happen right now unless we plan them. And it's really important in in the research we did with remote employees. uh, That was a key part that they wanted to be able to connect with people and not only their supervisor, clearly. And, you know, for myself with my team, I've encouraged them to keep connected with one another. And we'll do some of that in a team meeting by Zoom uh, and have 
just go around the room and sort of check in, see how people are. But it, I think the personal aspect is really, really important right now. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I'll talk a little bit more about sort of my my own uh, results of your assessment too. Um, okay, so that's number two. We got words of affirmation. We got quality time. What's up next? Number three. Sure. Number three is acts of service. And acts of service is not uh, rescuing a low-performing uh, colleague. Uh, the, probably the best example is when you're pushing on a time-limited project and working hard to try to get done, what is something that somebody can do to help make that go better for you? And it can be either where you delegate and ask them to do a part, and people are only willing to do that if they know that you're going to do it the, the level of quality that they expect and want, um, or you could offer to do some other tasks, sort of maybe one of their more regular daily or weekly tasks that allows them to stay focused mm on uh, the project they're working on, or maybe handle interruptions, you know, emails and that kind of thing. But, you know, um, I don't know if I mentioned quality time, uh, it's 26% of the workforce, about one out of right. every four employees. Yep. Uh, acts of service is 22%, so about one out of every five. And these are people that, you know, uh, sort of live by this saying, you know, words are cheap, don't tell me you care, show me. Uh, I had one CEO tell me, he said, you know, my language is get her done. You know, don't talk to me. <laughs> don't give me stuff. Just help me get things done. And so uh, it's an important piece for them because if we're only using words, uh, we're going to miss uh, some important team members uh, that they're just going to sort of slough it off. And so is this a um, uh, offer? Like, are we talking about, hey, <clears throat> can I help you kind of like, how can I pitch in to help you get your thing done? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, I've never lived in the Northeast, Joan. I lived in the upper Midwest and, and around Southeast and out West. And at least in the upper Midwest, you know, people's first response is no, I'm good. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, it's sort of, you know, and uh, you have to sort of push through that and you, you say, no, really, I got some time. I know you know, you're, you're, you know, really crunched for time and I'd be glad to help out. And um, if they know that you mean it and are willing to do it in the way that they want, uh, then often they'll take you up on that. Yeah. Um, so this is sort of, it's sort of um, the person is being seen as someone mm -hmm. who could use a hand. Is that, is that part of this? Is that that I feel good because I've been seen as someone who's got a lot on my plate and my colleague says, Look, I, I, I get that you have like a whole house full of toddlers and mm -hmm. I don't have that. And mm -hmm. so I have a little more flexibility with my time. Can I take something off of your plate? Right. It's, but I would say that there's just something I could do to help you right now. I wouldn't say take off your plate. In my mind, that's sort of shifting responsibility and they may push back on that. The other uh. way to think about it is maybe there's a tool or technology that you could get them that would help make their day go better. I mean, that, you know, whether it's, I don't know, some kind of dictation thing or whatever it might be. Sometimes it's just that you're aware they're working as hard as they can, but is there anything that would, you know, make it go better for you that it's a practical kind of help rather than, 
you know, words or, you know, giving them, you know, flowers or something right. like so that. that. That was my, la- that was my other question. This is not about, um, this is not about, uh, uh, they are not driven by, oh my gosh, you bought me a cheesecake. Yeah. No. Right. That's, that's our next language. That's that, tangible gifts. Okay. <laughs> okay good okay. segue. Go ahead. Yeah, there we go. So tangible gifts, uh, interestingly, I mean, most employee recognition programs really sort of focus on, you know, recognition and rewards. But our research shows that only 6% of the uh, employee workforce choose tangible gifts as their primary language of appreciation. And I've had lots of people say, you know, if I never hear anything, if I never get offers for help or nobody stops by, see how I'm doing and I get a gift it feels pretty superficial, yeah. especially if they didn't even have to pay for it. I mean, that the organization's paying for it. Now, having said that, gifts can be very meaningful when paired with one of the other languages. Huh. So that if you spend time and you get them a gift, uh, that can be meaningful. And the key aspect of a gift is that it needs to be personal. If you give everybody the same thing, you know, I mean, it just, it, it doesn't do much for these people at least. Uh, it's about, and this is really where it is the thought that counts. It's more about that you've thought about them and it's not the value, uh, financial value of it. It's that you spent time and it's about them as a person. So let's say they're, a, I don't know, a Patriots fan. And so you get them something that's, you know, about that or the Celtics or, you know, the Knicks or whoever, or if they, you know, they like to garden and you yep. you get them a, one of those magazines that they're, you know, trying to do in-home gardening in the winter. You bet. It's about that you get to know them and, uh, and contribute to their life that way. During COVID lockdown, I took time from Netflix binging to rewrite my book, Joan Gary's Guide to Nonprofit Leadership. I wanted to make sure that board and staff leaders had a new guide to help them to navigate a very different world, one where old rules don't apply and some new rules will be critical to thriving. This version is now in paperback and you can learn more at book.joangary.com. As the founder of the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, the best online resource for board and staff leaders of small nonprofits, I have the privilege of hearing the stories of the remarkable work being done every single day by an amazing group of kind and generous leaders around the globe. I want you to hear their stories, too. Uplifting and inspiring. Now, there's something we could use a whole lot more of, right? And that's why I want to introduce you to the Leadership Lab's own podcast, Your Nonprofit Life. In each episode, our lab's director of member experience, Laura Zelke, interviews a leader of a small nonprofit, offering you the opportunity to hear about their unique path into the sector, learn about the important work they're doing, and be inspired by their passion and determination to change the world in ways large and small. Sample this dose of hope at yournonprofitlife.com, or you can find it on your favorite podcast app. It's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm struck again by the, you know, sort of the person, this personal nature of the gift <clears throat> is also about someone being seen. Like, you see me, you know me, you care about me, you value me, and that's why you sent me the Mr. Rogers bobblehead doll. Because you right, right you know that Mr. Rogers is like my spirit animal. And mm-hmm. 
You also know that my bookcase is in every, you know, live, Facebook Live I do. And like, it would be really fun to be able to show people that I have a Mr. Rogers bobblehead doll, right? Right. And um, like everything about it's actually, this is one of those things where it's the thought that counts, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. So let's get, and the yeah, flip side of it is important as well. I mean, I had a friend who's actually one of our trainers. He said, yeah, I, I had a team that gave me, you know, a box of candy. And he said, I wonder if they're trying to kill me because I'm a type one diabetic, <laughs> you know, and it was oh. just like, you know, think people, you know, uh, so yeah, I yeah, it, yes, it, actually my wife is diabetic also and the number of times we get like boxes of cookies or she'll get like <clears throat> a box of candy and she'll be like, well, isn't that lovely, Joan? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, so let's All go right. to the last one. So the last one is physical touch, which, you know, uh, feels <laughs> sort of uh, weird in our culture, especially remotely. But, yeah, that's just um, so yesterday, Paul. <laughs> I, I know. Well, you know what? It's not. And it's not going to be uh, in some ways because, um, you know, we are creatures of uh, affirmation in a lot of different ways. And in the North, it differs regionally. I mean, in the Northeast, I tease that, you know, a physical touch in New York is the guys, you know, sort of nod their head across the room and say, hey, you know, and that's about, <laughs> you don't get closer than three feet, but it's largely spontaneous celebration, right? It's a high five when you uh, finish a project. It's a fist bump when you fix yeah. something, you know, maybe a congratulatory handshake, you know, and those are sort of yesterday. I think the fist bump is going to stick around because that's sort of the germ-free way of doing it. But uh, you know, and in cross-cultural settings, because our uh, materials are in, you know, I don't know, 20 languages and lots of countries. And uh, for our uh, uh, Hispanic friends and Southern European friends, you know, the, the Spanish and the Portuguese and the Italians, you know, they, they greet each other with a, a cheek kiss. And to not be uh, physical to some degree, especially when you're celebrating about something feels very cold to them. Yeah. So it's it's less than 1% of the population, but uh, I've been surprised by people say, you know, uh, it's my language. And we actually don't have it uh, in the inventory because it was so low and because you have the sexual harassment issue uh, and yeah. it just seemed to be more risk than the the value. And, but, but it's there. Yeah. Um, and, and so we need to do it, you know, and people will say, well, how are you going to deal with physical touch remotely? I, I'm actually have plans to do a little fail video about like a guy giving the computer a hug or something. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. A, you know, a virtual high five just doesn't get it. But I will say this. I think eye contact and a smile is huge. And even though it's not direct physical contact, it is a type of physical contact that I think really communicates value to other people. Um, so, um, so the let's see if I can remember the five. Now we got words of affirmation. We've got quality time. We've got acts of service. We've got uh, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Tangible gifts and physical go. touch. Yeah. Um, my recollection from doing the assessment is that everybody has sort of a primary and a secondary. Correct. Correct. Great. And, it, and a least valued one, which is uh, sort of your blind spot. Uh huh. It's the one that you don't think about. Uh, naturally, and yet you have team members who have that. And so it's important to know that so you can sort of be aware and make plans to to be sensitive to what's important to them. Oh, I see. So it may not, right. So the the one that's least in, least motivational to you becomes a blind spot. 
Mm-hmm. Ah, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, so now let's talk about, um, so, uh, so for my listeners, we are having a conversation about how to appreciate uh, people in your life, in your place of business. Um, we are talking with Dr. Paul White. He's a psychologist, a speaker, and a leadership trainer who makes work relationships work. And he is the co-author of the best-selling The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. Um, it is uh, um, a, a very, very resonant topic for people, especially during these times, because there's so much more intentionality that needs to be injected into the the idea and the, the notion of appreciating your colleagues and your employees or even your supervisor. Um, and um, <clears throat> so we've talked about the five love, the, the five languages. Um, I want to talk about um, the connection as you see it, Paul, between appreciation and motivation. So I think, and let me segue into that, in that I think actually appreciation is less important right now than it has been, but that encouragement and support are what are needed and that the five languages work equally well for those. And, And the reason I say that is that, you know, we are all sort of just dealing with daily life or weekly survival and trying to figure out how to make this Appreciation historically tends to look at and focus on the past, what you've done, demonstrated character qualities and so forth, which is good. People still need that. But I really think the the need of the moment is encouragement and support. And those are focused on the present and the future. It's the thing that we need to keep going, right? And that's what partly what motivation is of persevering. And uh, we know that when uh, things get tough, that uh, creative problem solving and perseverance go down if people don't feel valued and appreciated or um, they get discouraged. And so it's really important during these times to sort of keep your people encouraged and, and, you know, sort of hopeful that things are going to get better or that we're here together. And and I hate that phrase sort of, you know, in, in a, I don't know, uh, a, a euphemistic way, but it really is true. I mean, when we, we do better when we know other people are with us and we're doing this together. And, um, and so the languages of appreciation and the actions really help deal with that so that, uh, we continue to persevere and put through, push through that, you know, obstacle and challenge that we're facing because it takes emotional energy and that's what we need. We need emotional energy to keep going and also for creative problem solving. Creative problem solving takes energy. And if you don't have team members that are doing that, you're going to have a hard time overcoming the challenges, right? Because we're having to do new and different things to get to our goal and our mission. And so you want to be there and supportive for your team members um, and communicate it in a way that's meaningful to them. The, um, the creative problem solving, I just have to highlight, I have to highlight that. Um, and it's sort of what I was getting at in the introduction of this episode is that, um, that I see nonprofit leaders uh, very much like adrenaline junkies. There's a certain, mm-hmm. a certain kind of urgency that comes with the work and a crisis is something that you rally the troops together and you get through the crisis. And at the, <laughs> at the end, maybe you give everyone a high five if you're allowed to. Um, but 
this is different, right? Because the yeah. creative problem solving is going to be part of, right? You've, you've exercised that muscle in the spring when your gala was canceled, but, mm-hmm. but like the gala's not coming back. It's not coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not coming back in January. You know, when I don't know when it's coming back and maybe it shouldn't come back in the same way, but, you know, encouraging people to continue on that path, I mean, that to me, I, the way I think of it is, how do I keep fuel? You know, how does a how does a leader keep fuel in the tank of, you know, of their people? And do right. you use this these languages of appreciation as a way to encourage and support as well, Paul? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's sort of our message. And in fact, when COVID hit in spring of 2020, we sort of, you know, changed direction a little bit and developed a virtual appreciation at work training. We have training resources, our, our website's appreciationatwork.com. It's a word at, but, um, you know, we created resources for um, leaders or, you know, HR professionals to be able to take their teams through how to apply these concepts. And it was, you know, designed for a half day or, you know, a series of one hour kinds of things. And that obviously went away. Right. And so we developed a virtual uh, training process that can be done via video conference for that purpose to help keep people connected. That's the other part. I think we're going to see sort of the the long-term effects of people just feeling very isolated and lonely. And we've got to keep our people connected um, to, to keep going. And so uh, this can work. And we've actually created a remote version of our inventory so that the actions can be done over long distance. Um, so how do you spend quality time, you know, over a, a long distance? I mean, you obviously don't stop by their office and check in. Um, and, and so we're trying to create resources to help teams and leaders be able to to implement this even in this difficult environment. Well, and I, um, I really do want to emphasize, so it's appreciation at the word at appreciation at work.com. And I encourage you to go to that site, to take a look, um, um, you know, either by the book or utilize some of the resources in some way and do this with intention because if this slips away and you tell me if I'm right here Paul if this slips away your interactions with your team and your colleagues and your employees will become transactional and that to me is like the fast track to burnout death yeah well I mean that's true but I mean I think what happens is you just the quality of work goes down. Yeah. Um, the energy goes down, and you're just doing everything you just can to survive. And we we can't live that way for very long. Um, so I I um I wanted to ask you what is your um, language of appreciation, Paul? My primary language is words, and uh-huh. uh, um, it doesn't take much, you know. And that's one of the interesting things about this is that when we hit the mark with the language and the action. Um, it, it's not a big deal. It's not like, you know, you're, you know, just having to th- think and do a whole bunch of stuff, but one little thing can really uh, energize people for quite a while. And so, uh, and and I guess, well, let me say one thing that, that comes to mind is when we first started out, we did focus on managers and leaders, yep. but we quickly found that it's critical to involve team members in teaching them how to 
show appreciation and encouragement to one another. The leader can't manage it all. It's too heavy of a responsibility. And also, it empowers your people, and they want to know how to encourage one another when they're having a bad day. And so we found that that's a key aspect to get everyone on a team involved um, to help keep it going. So I'm thinking that you probably enjoy reading the Amazon reviews that people leave for your book. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't spend that much time on it because they're pretty short. But I do love, man, if I get a personal note from somebody, you know, that that makes my day for sure. Yeah, yeah. So when we did this exercise in in the um, in-person offsite that we had in January, which everyone on my team says feels like it was about four years ago, um, we did this exercise and we had people move to different parts of the room based on their mm-hmm. primary and secondary languages. And um, so I am uh, I am dripping as a quality time person and that did not surprise me. And, um, uh, and what was interesting um, was that the, and I don't know if this is a trend or just a sort of an anomaly for us. So... Um, all of the people on my team that would identify as boomers, mm-hmm. all of them, their primary language of appreciation was quality time. And I mm-hmm. wonder if there, if that's just a, that's just a fluke or if boomers, um, who, you know, so people in their sixties, um, right. actually appreciate quality time because they're older and feel like they have less time. Right. Well, our research with groups of people, and it was like 86,000 people, right. uh, so it was a big group, actually showed that uh, quality time was slightly more important uh, than words uh, for younger employees. Oh. Um, and that, but, but I think the focus was on peer and collegial relationships rather than, you I know, see. supervisor. Yep. Um, I hear what you're saying, and and I I think there's an aspect of that. Um, it's interesting to me that uh, you know you and I were corresponding earlier, and you mentioned that you know quality times your language, but how, you know at the end of the day, after a Zoom, you're you know you're, you're done. Yeah. And but one of the research that we did uh, again, just looking at remote employees, is that um, that the time has to be personal. We have to be proactive about it, like I talked about yep. earlier, and that it's about peers. And so I think if you take away the video aspect, um, because, you know, video interactions takes more effort for us because we're having to process that information. And I, I wonder about just phone calls for mm-hmm. you at the end of the day, because it's sort of like, you know, getting on the phone with a, a long time friend and you sort of chat about what's going on, yeah. but that's encouraging. And so I, I, I would not push away time, but maybe it's not video time, uh, but, but more. I love, know, I, I actually time. love that idea. Um, I love that idea. And, um, and I think that we often avoid using the telephone, that the telephone mm-hmm. has actually seems so very old school. So for example, and I'm sure this is true of many of our listeners, 
we have a very active Slack account. And mm-hmm. we, uh, we as a group use it in ways that um, feels like the water cooler. So we have a, you know, cool. we have a politics channel and mm-hmm. we have a general channel and um, uh, we have a kudos channel so that, um, so uh, uh, the general channel might, you know, I, I, ha- I make people really, I'm, probably tiresome with photographs of my new kitten and (laughs) but uh, you know you can throw them in there and you know and so that helps but I wonder if there aren't times when these apps uh, actual or these platforms in fact actually they become um uh, well, well they influence our choices. Honestly, yeah, yeah, right? that's yes, that's what yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> and 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 I think the benefit of the phone uh, for me, like I can you know talk on the phone while I'm driving. I've got a hands free kind of thing, so I can sort of double up time where I don't have to be looking at somebody. Or I know uh, sometimes you know if I'm working in the kitchen or around the house, I can talk on the phone, yep. and so it's it's pretty informal kind of thing. So. I think it's more informal. I think you're totally right, Paul, that I feel like that there have been a couple of times in the last couple of weeks where somebody on the team has needed to talk to me. And I said, I'm going to be making lunch. I'll put you on speaker. And right. and what's interesting about that is that that probably needed to be a 10 minute conversation about the thing. Mm-hmm. But we ended up talking about you know, it, it ended up all of a sudden it freed me up to think about the conversation in a different way. I, I, right. I, I actually thank you for raising the phone because I, I do believe that makes a difference. And in fact, I'm sheltering in place on the Jersey Shore and um, uh, uh, but my primary residence is about an hour north and I have to go back and forth from time to time. And I will tell my team I'm in the car and a captive for the next mm-hmm. hour if anybody right. wants to connect with me. And I right. think I've had more like sort of very casual, informal conversations um, in my car than I have when I sit at my desk. Or in my kitchen when I'm fixing lunch rather than my office, which is really only like, you know, 20 steps away from my kitchen, right? Right. So interesting. Um, is there anything else that you have learned about, because I know how much research you've done, um, about this world of remote working and uh, encouragement and support that you haven't shared? Because I want to I wanna make sure I squeeze all the juice out of your expertise mm-hmm. here. Yeah, you know, when we when did the initial research on remote employees, it actually, people wanted to connect by video. This was pre-COVID days. Um, and because most of that at that point in time was email and telephone and maybe chat box or something. But there is something about having the visual that's important. And, and I would say visual one-on-one is very different than a Zoom conference call with nine people on your screen. And, and yeah. so that can be a difference. But I think the other part I just want to emphasize is you have to be proactive about it um, to in, interact with people. It doesn't have to be about time. It, um, it could be about, you know, connecting by phone or whatever. But lots of times we found that people are reluctant to just call because they don't know what the other person's doing, right? So we've encouraged people to, you know, send a text or whatever and say, hey, you know, I'd like to catch up with you and chat for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, you have time later today and they give you time and then you do it. But you have to 
proactively do it. And in, in a group setting, it can be just at the beginning or at the end of a conference call yep. that you allow people to get on for 10 or 15 minutes before and sort of connect and chat um, like you would if you go into a conference room for a meeting, if people show up a little bit early and they, they talk a little bit. Uh, but if you don't formally structure that, it's just not going to happen very often. I I I have been making a lot of uh, arguments with my clients, advocating for team building exercises, icebreakers. You know, sometimes people balk mm-hmm. at these things; they think that they're cheesy. Um, and I, I I'm I look for and encourage my clients to think about that in the broadest possible way. Right. This is not like necessarily two truths and a lie, you know, or mm-hmm. um, uh, so yeah. um, it could be um, <clears throat> a pre-read. Right. So uh, it mm-hmm. could be a pre-read on some topic that's about leadership or something that, you know, it could it, anything that makes the group come together to talk about things. It could be work related or non-work related. I mean, we did we did something with our team that was just so easy is is I'm everybody's at home. And uh, at the top of the hour, we said, OK, everybody has to grab one thing from their office. Mm-hmm. Pick, pick any item that's in your office and tell us the story about it. It was almost like, you know, kindergarten show and tell. Right. And it was right. awesome. Yeah. And, and I think the context, the way to make this easy for people is remember that your employees and team members are people. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they have a life uh, outside of, of work. Yep. Um, they are persons, they have interests, they have challenges. And, uh, the icebreaker can be, you know, what, how did your family celebrate, you know, Thanksgiving yep. growing up or what's your favorite, uh, you know, dessert or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be about work. And the same thing about appreciation or encouragement. It's not necessarily about work. I mean, we sometimes, especially if somebody's not the highest performer and we don't want to sort of send the wrong message that they're doing a great job, we can talk about the, their personal aspects. You know, I like to work with cheerful people more than grumpy people. And I might say, you know, Cindy, you, you just got the greatest smile and I love to hear you laugh. It just sort of lights the room up, you know, yeah. and, and it encourages me. Or to, you know, Dave, you know, man, it's so cool that you're training for a, a 10K, you know, and, and, you know, I just admire your personal discipline to do that. Yep. Um, so don't get sort of boxed into the work aspect because especially now, right now, people need encouragement about just getting through life. Uh, and maybe they're a single mom and, and you say, man, you know, Marta, I am so impressed with how committed you are to your kids and you just serve them and serve them. And it, man, it just inspires me. It's not about work. It's about her, you know, and, and you're gonna, that's where team building happens. And if they're, if they're, their primary language is tangible gifts, then what you do is you go and you get like a kid's book yeah. that she can read to her kid. That's like one of my favorite ones is called Five Minutes Peace. And it's about mm-hmm. this elephant family. And I don't know where, I don't think the dad elephant is in the picture. And all the mom elephant wants to do is take a bath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there but you like, like that's a good example, right? Is, is how do you... Uh, at the end of the day, and we're just about out of time, but at the end of the day, um, 
people need to be seen and they actually yeah. need to be seen more now than ever before. And mm-hmm. that what I believe Dr. Paul White has been um uh, counseling us is to make sure that your colleagues and your employees feel seen, that they are, <laughs> that, that they feel at the end of the day that my boss, my executive director sees me as a three-dimensional human being. And you know something, Paul, it's interesting. Um, it's one of the things I loved when I moved from the private sector to the um, to the nonprofit sector is that I believed that people in the nonprofit sector get that more than people in the private sector. I suspect right. I suspected that it may actually be more difficult to do the things you're talking about in the private sector because they're mm-hmm. not necessarily um, sort of trained that same oh, way. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I think some of the thing that, that so if you are an executive director, for example, or a board chair who lives in the who lives in or lived in the private sector, please acknowledge that distinction or how you, you know, sort of the roller board you are carrying of how that environment operates as different from the nonprofit sector. The people come from the non come into the nonprofit sector, they expect to be seen. They expect to be managed three dimensionally. They expect to have a voice because they don't expect to get a year-end bonus, right? right. So um, so this is a kind of a superpower of nonprofit leaders. So um, it's something that, that, you should, that, that you should really keep in mind. And I think that Dr. White's book and his resources at appreciationatwork.com, and that's the word at, um, could be really, really instructive for you and your team. Um, so with that, um, Dr. Paul White, I want to say thank you so much um, for the work that you're doing. It's a funny thing you were saying before we started recording um, that you that this book came out just, I think, just before the pandemic, right? Uh, the book's been out a while, but uh, some of the research we did uh, just happened before. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. So the um, and how it's how you've had to sort of you've had to pivot a little bit, as has the entire universe, right? But in right. some ways, I think so, so much of what you've done um, with Dr. Chapman and his book um, is just what the doctor ordered um, for uh, leaders and managers at this time. So um, thank you so much for your good work and for sharing those insights with us today. You bet. Thanks so much for your encouragement and support, John. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, you're welcome. And I've enjoyed this quality time. And uh, <laughs> and I think that you're a rock star and that your book uh, for us as a team has made a huge impact on how we are all thinking about um, gathering and being together and encouraging and supporting each other. So thank you for that. And that those were words of affirmation, just in case you weren't. Yeah, I'm going to write down that I think you're a rock star and just have that here at my desk. That, that'll, that'll keep me going. <laughs> there so. you go. Good. All Excellent. Right. Well, thank you, Dr. Paul White. And thanks to everyone for listening. Um, uh, this was an important conversation. Um, and the most important part of this is you, if you've listened all the way through, This must be approached with intentionality. You must make a commitment to actually thinking about your staff 
and really seeing them and knowing that they are seen will make all the difference. So uh, until next time, thank you so much for everything that you do to change the world in ways large and small. Um, you are the leaders that um, that lift us up and give us hope in what feel like pretty dark days. So thank you again, and I'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for spending time with me today. I hope you found the conversation valuable as you navigate the messy world of nonprofits. Check out all my other resources at joangary.com. Hope you find them helpful too. Lastly, thanks for the work you do to repair the world in ways large and small. I'll see you next time.